Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Now let's go. As the last episode before I break for July, I want to give you a treat. Joanna Bogart is an internationally recognized mentor for people pleasers, certified as a facilitator in trauma-informed care and as a coach. She studied sociology and comparative sexuality studies at Ohio State University while managing projects for Amnesty International and Greenpeace. She's worked as a therapeutic recreation specialist as a foster care agency in the Bronx and as an advocate counselor in Brooklyn. Her work offers a unique blend of practical tools, spiritual integration, and social justice framework so that you can unhook from everything that has power over you and live as a sovereign being. You can find her on a walk with her massive dog, assuring people that he won't bite them. I am delighted by this conversation. I just wrapped up the recording of it. And I hope that when you listen, you remember that you are a lovely, fantastic, fully human human, right? Like you are born a human. And that means you're exactly as you're supposed to be. I am so excited today to welcome Joanna Bogart. Welcome, Joanna. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So if you recognize her last name, that's because she is Julie Bogart's daughter. And if you've listened to the Keep Calm and Mother On podcast, you know that Julie was here last year when she promoted her book. So welcome. You are not your mom, but you have a lot of vibrancy for life. And I love following you on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. It's weird how the world works, isn't it? It's magical. It is. It's amazing. So because of Instagram, I've been able to see you develop as a coach. And it's so exciting. Your focus on coaching is people pleasing. That's right. (laughs) So what does that mean to you? What does it mean to be a people pleaser? Let's just jump in. Yeah, let's go for it. People pleasing. So my definition is that it is when you compromise yourself to gain someone else's approval or acceptance. So it's okay to to please people. We all want to please people. We buy gifts for people on their birthdays. It's a problem when you compromise yourself, when you give someone a ride, even though you're exhausted and don't have the energy to, or you say yes when you want to say no, that's when it becomes people pleasing and, and can be detrimental to your life. Okay, so people pleasing sounds like when you ignore like the warning lights that life is giving you or your boundaries or like your body feelings and you just do it anyways. Okay. 100%. And like over time doing this over years, you don't even know the signals anymore. Like you're just a ball of anxiety or disassociation. So you don't even know what what 
the people pleasing moments are at that point. And that's where I meet a lot of people is they're in, they're so deep in people pleasing. They don't even know that that's what's happening. Yeah. It's so it's like being in um, the runaway bride and not knowing what type of eggs you like. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so you just lose yourself so that you can figure out how to adapt to everyone else. Interesting. Do you think this is modeled at large, Joanna? Like, I kind of look at Instagram and I see like this examples, right? Of like the go-getters who have it all or the amazing moms. And it's obvious that there's not a lot of themselves in there. It's a lot of like show and super, super mom sort of thing. Super woman lifestyle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The super woman lifestyle, it is what it's what it usually is I'm sure there's some super women out there but by and large um it's people trying to trying to fit into society's ideas of what is valuable and saying okay it's valuable to be attractive so I'll be that it's valuable to be a selfless mother so I'll be that it's valuable to make a lot of money so I'll do that gotta be a girl boss and all of that all of those priorities come from a desire to gain acceptance and approval society's acceptance and approval so while it might come from this place of of once being like, I love my kids, I want to be a great mom for them, it becomes I want to be a great mom so that society sees me that way, that way and I'll compromise myself to get there. That is, yeah. I think that when I look around, I see so much of that right now all around me. In fact, I just read a New York Times article about why is there no Superman paradigm for the men in our lives. <laughs> they don't have to do it all. <laughs> they don't. Like, it's just not not wow. on their radar. Um, so, okay, so let's talk. So now that we know what people-pleasing is and how it can show up in lots of ways all around us, like, we are bombarded with the idea that we have to be, like, that's the standard. Yeah, yes. And this is due to the values that we're fed in society. So it's a function of culture to teach us that we want to follow the unspoken rules of culture. That's okay. natural. It's natural for culture to be like, if you go to school, that's more normal than being right. homeschooled. And for us to feel <laughs> yep. the alienation of not doing it <laughs> yep. and having to find our own community. And then we create a homeschool culture that says, no, but you're normal. For us, you're normal. So we, we create cultures that make us feel safe in the alienation of being in culture, if that makes sense. That makes total sense because in my own personal life, right, as an active duty military spouse, when I move to a base that's like a submarine base that I understand submarine lifestyle, but when I move to a civilian town where when he has a civilian type job, it's like, whoa, I don't know how to fit in here. But when I move to a submarine base, it's like, click back in right. back into it. Okay. Right. You have the culture you understand and you're part of it. Yeah. And so we we follow this the culture. But if we're in a white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal <laughs> culture, all of that, the values. I mean, if we just look at some of the values, capitalism, it's like be productive, work hard create profit you might not receive yep. the profit but create it so that's exhausting that's exhausting and then we have patriarchy which is like be a selfless woman reproduce yep. be generous show up for everyone but yourself do not be full of yourself 
Yes. And then we have white supremacy, which is like be an individualist, um, be part of hierarchy, values yep. urgency, values yep. black and white thinking, binary concepts. All of this is just this really beautiful melting pot <laughs> of values that are just, <laughs> if you want to please in that culture, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to have to be like a machine like Superwoman. Wow. That is so much to like think about just in that statement, like that that's the system that we're born into in this moment, that those are the cultural values found easily in America. I don't know if they're found everywhere yes. in the in the but I have moved from coast to coast to the Midwest everywhere in the United States, and it is easily found everywhere. Those those pressures. Yes, and I will say, living in Mexico, one nice thing about living here for me is having some relief from some of those pressures, just experiencing um, a different set of values. Like, if you if you try to make friends, or if I try to make plans with a friend here, and a Mexican friend, and I'm like, I'm free from four to six, that's offensive. It's offensive that I would say, when I'm going to stop being free. That I'm not giving them my Whoa. afternoon. That I'm not saying, let's hang out. Like, let's spend time together. I'm saying, let me fit you in. Wow. Let me fit you in. Whereas in the U.S., it's like time, squeezing it in is valuable over everything. Yeah. Like, we prioritize that, that you were able to fit in 10 minutes versus a long savoring. Versus, yes. How interesting. Just in that. Wow. Okay. So when you, I'm sure that you've worked with moms or talked with women who are parenting, do you see people pleasing in the family relationships? Is that something that you're able to help point out to people? Oh, that's an interesting question. Certainly a family has its own culture. And mm -hmm. so even with my siblings, for example. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Real life. That's my dog who does not please people. <laughs> um, can't take credit for that. He. So, yeah, my siblings, for example, we have a sibling culture. And within that culture, there's there's a kind of humor we have. There's a political view that mm -hmm. we all share. And even though we have our own personal perspectives and spectrum, I feel the pressure to toe the line. Like <laughs> yeah. when someone says something, makes a joke, I feel the pressure to be like, ha ha, instead of like, hey, actually, uh, I disagree. <laughs> I don't think that's funny. And I, as I've undone my people pleasing, that has been one of the scariest places to say, I'm going to break with the unspoken culture and tell you guys what I really think and show my soft little tender heart instead of um, bumbling around with the bravado of us all being like, yeah, we all agree, right? So yeah, yeah the, the home family is one of the places it all starts. Okay. So that's huge because you can see that I think as a as a mom right now growing three kids I can see that dynamic where for myself interacting that way and not letting myself necessarily be vulnerable with that but also how my kids can 
I can read some of their faces and I know they want to say something different. And the, but they're like, nope, we're just gonna go with the flow. Yes, yes. And, and we think that's what we're doing is going with the flow. But I'm sure, you know, we're both on Instagram. <laughs> You've seen the, the post that says, um, when you create peace in the world, you start a war in yourself. Yeah. That's what it's people huge. pleasing is. That's what people pleasing is. And yes, especially if you grew up in a in a family where there was a really strong personality as a parent or a, f- a family member who was really pro, you know, violence. Mm-hmm. I don't. Why did I say it like that? An abusive. No, but person. yeah, no pro violence. I think that's like there's pro peaceful parenting nowadays. There's definitely right. a set of beliefs that were pro violent. Pro kids are not full humans and don't deserve respect. Absolutely. And so if you grew up with that, for a lot of us, people pleasing is a survival strategy. It's a coping mechanism to say, I'm going to be easygoing because I can see that this will go somewhere unsafe for me. I can, and, and you get really good at sensing the wants and needs of the people around you because if you can anticipate those, you can stay safe. So would that be like the fun response in the flight, fight, and fun? Is people-pleasing part of that? Totally. Okay, this yes. makes a lot of sense. So if you've ever read books about stress, guys, people-pleasing flaws, this is so interesting. I love it when I can tie in all the different reading I've done and figure out how it connects. I'm um, passionately curious about a million things in life. So thank you for helping connect these dots. So when you realize that you have some people pleasing, one of the things that stands out for me about you, to me about you, is your ability to break down simple habits to help do like a tiny step out of there bravely. So when you realize that you wanna try to shift this pattern, what's something, is that the rehumanization part that you talk about Mm. or is there something before that? Right. Okay. These go hand in hand. So rehumanizing is the process of not really being a machine, not being who other people want you to be, not being what capitalism wants you to be. Trisha Hersey, who is the Bishop of the Nap Ministry, talks a lot about taking your body back. Your, Your body belongs to you. And how often are we giving it? And moms know this. How often are you giving it to everyone else and to society at large and how it should look and what it should be capable of performing in a day and how much it should stay awake. So rehumanizing um, is the first, middle, and last step in the sense that you've got to um, let yourself be human, let your body slow down and be soft and rest. And Trisha Hersey points this out as well. No one is ever going to give that to you, especially your employer isn't going to protect <laughs> your right to be a human. Only, we're just not in a culture that does that. So part of people pleasing is starting to advocate for yourself. Stopping people pleasing is advocating for yourself. And that rehumanization process, the stuff that feels good that you do just because it feels good, like watching the rainfall or taking a nap or reading poetry before bed, that is the stuff that will hold you and give you energy as you undo people pleasing. So the first like official step would be um, to let people be in a bad mood. So for one whole week, 
just let people be in a bad mood. Your partner comes home in a bad mood. Yeah, let them. Your kid throws a tantrum. <laughs> let them. You're just not trying to fix, heal, and comfort and make and smooth over everything. Wow. Because people pleasers, <laughs> we we perceive conflict <laughs> as an indictment on us. We are not pleasing them. We're not making them happy. And maybe it triggers childhood. And we're like, if there's conflict, this could become dangerous. This could become scary. Um, let me fix it now. And or, the last thing, we yeah. can get into codependent. I love this. Which is yeah. like, with the codependent part is that it feels better on some level to fix someone else than to fix yourself. It feels better to make sure someone else eats than to get food, to see what someone else needs than to ask yourself what you need. It's just there's something about it when you're so used to focusing on others. It's like, let me just keep managing them. Codependence is when you override someone else's agency or try to. It's not actually possible, but you try. (laughs) And so all of this, all of this, if you just sit more that's rehumanizing and let people be in a bad mood. You are undoing all of that, all those dynamics. That is huge, huge. Like go, go listen to this again. Go hit repeat backwards and listen. Like someone is going to need to listen to this a little bit, a couple of times, I think, because it's not going to sink in the first or second or third time or 10th time. Maybe when you're hearing this, was this easy for you to learn? You didn't learn it the first time, the first time this lesson showed up, did you? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Chrissy, I'm like, (laughs) I am so burnt out. I'm about to take two months off because I'm so burnt out. And I keep thinking, why am I burnt out? I'm not even doing anything. And then I'm like, that is that is a capitalist lie. Like, instead of being like, I'm tired, which means I'm doing a lot. My thought process is... Well, I could be doing more. Well, Beyonce would get more done. Therefore, I'm not even (laughs) doing a lot. It's the lie that you have the same 24 hours. I hate that line. Yes. (laughs) I hate that line so much. (laughs) Like, it breaks me down. Like, I do not have the same 24 hours as Beyonce. She has invisible scaffolding of so much help that adds hours to her days compared to mine. She pays for hours. Right. If, if, yes. If time is money, she's bought yeah. way more time than us. Yeah. Or uh, it's that movie. I don't know. I don't even know the name of the movie where they all live and die by time. Have you ever seen that movie? They like are born with clocks in them. And the rich people have more time because like every day oh, your yes. work I don't know the movie. I don't even think I've watched it, but my husband has talked about it so much that I know like the storyline of it that like, you know, time is your only non-renewable resource. And so we need to focus on where we're spending our time. So I'm glad you didn't learn this the first time. Well, I wish you had right for your own sake, but like that makes everyone else feel better because Man, this is hard lessons to undo and learn and practice. It takes work to practice these. It feels like work sometimes to practice these. It feels like work and it it requires a lot of destruction. 
It requires a lot of destruction. If you've ever done some Marie Kondo on a bedroom, you know <laughs> yeah. that halfway through the process, you're like, why did I do this? My my room looks worse than ever. Everything's on the floor. That's what yes. happens when you when you start this work. When you start letting people be in a bad mood, everyone isn't going to turn around and be like, wow, you are so spiritually enlightened. It's This is fun. <laughs> They're going to be in a bad mood. That's not fun. <laughs> and, and so you have to actually let, you have to let your everything kind of... Um, Go, go into a new level of chaos in order to create something new. It can't go from like nice and clean to nice and clean. There has to be that destructive center. Yeah. That's so interesting that it, it, it yeah, you have to like face the black hole of it all basically and see what comes back out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. It's so interesting. Cause yeah, in the middle of any good change, there's a point I mean, from labor to Marie Kondo that you want to quit and throw in the towel like you're done. I remember each of my labors that there is a point in the middle of that process where you're like, I'm done. I'm just going to go home now. Like am I, and you're like, you can't like <laughs> you can't go home in the middle of childbirth. Like you, you have to have the baby. <laughs> there has to be the way out. <laughs> right. Yes. That is one of the few instances in when in which it's it's kind of decided for you. <laughs> yeah, there's not an option to stop with that one. But, with this um, inner work, luckily, you can you can call your own breaks. You can say, "I'm not doing it today. Today, I'm like, today I'm getting into old habits. Today, I'm falling apart." And simultaneously, you can put more in your in your life that that gives you the energy you need yeah. to to do the hard stuff. So do you ever quit then? Do you like just call it quits on like trying to take rehumanize? Like when something happens, right? Like do you allow yourself to quit and then just pick back up? That's what you're saying, right? Totally. Yes, totally. Like um, I'll say, okay, I'm not going to look at Instagram for the rest of the night. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, but I did forget to DM so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> And then I do it. And then if that, this happens over and over, I'm like, I give my phone to my husband. I'm like, can yeah. you just take my phone? I'm not capable. I'm not. I'm clearly not strong enough. And other nights I don't give my phone to him. I'm like, yeah. I get to do this. I don't exactly. give a shit. And that's also okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. So what are activities that make you feel rehumanized that make you feel like a human again? Because that's a big part of this podcast and why I started it was I wanted moms to feel like the happiest, maybe not the happiest. I wanted them to feel human again, <laughs> like because happiness gets thrown out there. Like that's one of the hashtags I use, like the happiest mom I know, but that's not even true. Like I just want to be a human mom that can feel all the feelings and roll with the feelings and and practice being a soft human and not a work, work, work. So when you talk to someone about practicing being human, what are some simple ideas for that? Hmm, simple ideas. Oh, it's hard. Part of me feels, I feel guilty even giving moms more, more. <laughs> <laughs> to do more to think about more to be like oh I'm behind in this so I would say 
the only thing I would say is just whose voice is that when you're just ask yourself whose voice is that when you are thinking oh I should be doing the dishes whose voice is that is it your dad's from when you were a kid is it your idealized self is it your partner who's coming home in 30 minutes whose voice is it society telling you how your kitchen should look just just start to um let go of the other voices because a lot of people pleasing is believing those voices and prioritizing them. So just ask yourself, whose voice is that? That's huge. That's a, that's a huge gift right there actually, because I can think of multiple times today where I probably did things because of other voices in my head, right? Like that, I mean, not like in the crazy sort of way, but like in the way you're talking about, like, the pressure to do something differently or to appear some way or to um, to reach the standard of what adulthood looks like in some way so I can be the responsible parent. Yes, yes. And then when you, I mean, there's, there's something already uh, neurologically beneficial about saying whose voice is that because you immediately go from being the thought to observing the thought which is a meditative practice. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there, you can ask yourself, what what do I want to think? Or what voice do I want to follow right now? Or if you are religious, you can invoke, like, whose voice, who can tell me something right now? Mm-hmm. What would actually be good to hear? That's huge. So you're burnt out right now. What will recovery <laughs> look like for you? If you are speaking to someone else that's burnt out, like I'm going on a month-long vacation too. Like I'm taking a pause. And so throwing in the us. towel. Yeah, me too. I am so glad I decided to like <laughs> do it. Like it took a lot of ruminating to decide. Oh. And I want to be totally, well, do I want to be totally transparent? What I want to say is <laughs> <laughs> my, I was talking to a friend about how burnt out I was. Just, I don't have energy to keep doing what I'm doing. I, I have good ideas and I no longer feel that spark, that momentum that allows me to go like make good on the ideas. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that would be nice if I felt like it and I know I don't and will not. And so I, and I felt this bitterness creeping in because of that burnt outness. I, um, I know I'm not the only one who's felt that just like sort of a cynicism that starts to take over. And my friend said, well, do you have enough money to like how much how many months could you make it without working? And when I said how many months, she was like, which was just ballparking. Yeah. But she said, oh, well, then take some off. Like, take two <laughs> months off. Like, like, <laughs> you've made a buffer for yourself. Whose, whose voice was that in my head saying there has to be income every month? You mm-hmm. have to keep making money. You, If you don't put stuff out constantly... Um, life will give up on you. Everything you've built will go away. Whose voice was that? It was, I mean, it was capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, right. If someone that's trying to build a community through Instagram as well, or through this podcast, right. By not showing up, that feels vulnerable by taking that time. How did you make the choice? Because I, I want to, I want to have a selfish summer. Like I, I do, like there's that hot girl summer meme going on or soft girl summer. I, I just want a selfish summer where I, where I enjoy the things I want to enjoy and I can show up to the things I want to show up to. 
and I involves some travel and I just want to go do that for a little bit. And I think it's okay. Selfish summer. <laughs> I love that. How, let me, I want to know, Christy, how are you going to know that you succeeded? Ooh, um, I am going to know I succeeded because I'll want to come back. Because I know that usually when I take a break from things, it makes me feel more passionate about the things that I've taken a break from. Mm. that usually that's what happens in my life because because I've had a life with a lot of breaks and gaps and distance in life and um, when I take that distance usually it does make my heart fonder and my I get excited again and passionate I want to dabble in it again but the selfish summer like I want to read fiction books I don't want to read any um, real books for a while (laughs) I want to read fiction. I want to dance to crazy music and listen to lots of explicit rap in my headphones <laughs> while cleaning the bare minimum. Um, I just listened to a podcast by the Lazy Genius, and she talked about how to cook like you're on vacation and use that as your summer vibe theme, for even if you're staying at home, right? Like, how would you do vacation cooking? Well, it's not how you do cooking at home. So think about that. I love that. So yeah, so we're going to have scrounge days and my kids are in charge of a dinner. So the so the 8-year-old of course is in charge of frozen chicken tenders, let's be honest, but like that's fine by me. I can have chicken tenders once a week. That's good. Yeah, selfish summer baby. <laughs> yeah, so that's my theme. There you go. I hadn't said that out loud besides to my friends. So there we go. Now it's on the podcast. <laughs> It is crystallized. <laughs> it is. And this is the last episode before this big break. And so I am so glad to be talking about this because I think, and I know everyone's probably tired of saying like post pandemic or like re entry syndrome, but like there is so much to it, I think. Like my kids are in a summer camp, a day camp. And it's like the first re-entry into larger groups that they've had now that they're vaccinated. And I can tell they're emotionally fatigued from being in a group again um, when they come home from that. Yeah, it is. It is funny that you and I are both thinking that we need a long break (laughs) this summer when some would argue that that's what the past year was. (laughs) But it wasn't in a lot of ways. (laughs) No. But yeah, like I feel like there's this need for some recalibration, some re-entry. Like last year, I said everything felt like the whole world was finally experiencing what a military deployment feels like to me. Because everything's in jello. You are completely out of your own control, right? The locus of control is outside of you in a very obvious way. Um, And that's what a deployment feels like in a lot of ways. Like everything is not, everything's wobbly all the time. And so now like we're we're done. (laughs) We've done the wobbly. We've done a reunion. There's a homecoming. And so the hardest part of deployment is never actually the goodbye or the deployment. It's the reintegration afterwards. 
And I feel like that's where we are. Um, reintegrating ourselves back into the society and reintegration is always the hardest part and it's the under talked about part everyone likes the the teary goodbyes and then the the homecoming porn of everyone (laughs) (laughs) like it's a harsh word but like that patriotic feeling that you get from and it's none of your emotional labor of watching that reunion. So I call it homecoming porn. Because um, it, it's my vulnerable moment. Um, and it's really hard to watch other people's vulnerable moments being in their shoes. Mm. Um, but now we're in the reintegration part. And so I want to break. <laughs> I want to go cloister and remember what it feels like to be us again. Oh, cloister and remember what it feels like to be us again. Yep. There we go. That's the that's the theme here. So thank you for explaining people pleasing to us. You've had the best definitions by far um, of it to me and, and definitions that I can use to like in a way explain it to my 13 and 14 year old. That's not like too academic or too too scary sounding because sometimes the codependent definitions out there are so clinical sounding and out of touch with reality. Like it's like, okay. <laughs> yes. um, They're like, so contingent on so many other factors. Yeah. So I just appreciate that you're out there and that people can find you after your break on Instagram, right? Is that where they want you to want people to go look for it? Yeah, and I actually just today um, uploaded this people pleaser quiz that I use oh, yay. for in-person workshops, but I some people wanted it, so I uploaded it. So if you are wondering if you are a people pleaser, this quiz will really help you understand how it's showing up in your life. And that alone um, will help you pause and make some different decisions. Excellent. Okay, so I have one last question for you, and I forgot to warn you about it. But every episode ends with a self-care task, which we've already covered, which is like, which voice is this, right, in your head? What's that question we should ask again for self-care to start? Whose voice is that? Whose voice is that? Okay, now the last question is, how are you having fun? Or how did you have fun as your siblings? I always end with like a family fun idea so people can connect with their actual people Mm. so something I'm doing or something other people should do so so something you're doing if you have something you like to do to connect with your husband and your community or a a memory you have of how you connected with your siblings and had fun as childhood either one okay so it's raining outside right now and um when I was little one of my favorite things to do with one of my brothers was um we would pretend to know about nature and we would walk (laughs) around in the rain (laughs) telling each other fake facts about what worms eat how they survive and i'm and now that i'm thinking if i had kids to babysit that would be fun to go around pretending we are um on on the discovery channel helping people understand nature with zero with zero fact-based knowledge that sounds delightful actually 
so much fun. Oh my goodness. I can totally see my kids going outside and being inspired by that prompt <laughs> of like, especially the eight-year-old at this point, because man, it's so amazing how, how you see the world at different ages. So, Oh, I want to hang out with an eight-year-old. He, he's a really fun guy. Well, thank you so much. So Instagram, your handle is? Johanna Bogart. And at my Instagram link, that is where you can find the people pleaser quiz. Okay. And if you had one piece of advice to give someone today, do you have any last words? Um, my last words are take what, from what I said, take what works for you and leave the rest. That's always a good one. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. You are a delightful soul, and I am so happy to have had this conversation. Thank you. Well, don't forget to subscribe to Keep Calm Mother Ron. So when I come back in August, you will have all the new episodes just pop up into your feed wherever you listen to podcasts. I am so glad you're here. I, I can't say it enough. I feel so blessed and lucky to be alive at the very same moment you are. So thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for the conversation on Instagram back and forth about the shows that I've done. Thank you for pausing and savoring your amazing life. And I hope that you try to rehumanize and have a tiny bit of a selfish summer if that's what you need. Okay, pause and ask yourself and re-listen to this episode. Okay, you're amazing just the way you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here.